0: From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode four hundred and five. Today's show is brought to you by Electric Text Expander and Trade. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snow. Hi, Jason. Hi,
1: Mike. Oh, how? Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, if we're on a first name basis here. It's very friendly. You know, it's a podcast where we you sounded and quite trepidatious speak to, each other. to me. I think. Uh, well, you, you know, you, you just you just said my first name, so I I wanted to counter. And it's just it got all personal in here is what I'm saying. you know, and what better for a podcast? Are you saying I need to call
0: you Jason Snell now? Mr. Jason Snell no, I don't I
1: don't I I, don't. I, I um, just let's get tangential here before we even do the Snell talk question, uh-huh. which is I just want to point out that that in the ATP uh, show notes last week, they referred to Stephen Hackett as Stephen. They referred to me as Snell and they referred to John Gruber as John Gruber. and I don't understand what's hmm. happening over there.
0: That's interesting.
1: I prefer to be called Jason and not Snell um, because it's more, you know, personal. It's like, oh, it's we our buddy Jason. We don't need to call
0: you Snell because there's not another Jason in like that immediate group, right?
1: Well, and, and I grew up, I, honestly, and I grew up with that you always had to specify which Jason it was. Right. <laughs> so I, I get it. But if if it's clear... I'm just saying, why is Stephen? Because when I
0: say I understand John Gruber, right? Because it's there is a John so on the show. There's so many Johns. You know? yeah. I
1: get it, right? But like Stephen, incredibly common name, and they're like, no, no, it's Stephen. You know, y'all know. you all know like, Stephen. It's like Sal, who y'all know. It's uh, Stephen, who y'all mm-hmm. know. But but then Snell with his uh, with his story that he wrote. So I don't get it. But uh, hi, Mike. Hello, Mr. Jason Snell, Esquire. Oh no, I have a,
0: oh. I have a hashtag Snell question for you. It comes from Victor, who wants to know, Jason, Mr. Jason Snell, Esquire, how oh, do God. you animate the cycling six colors in the menu bar of your website?
1: Well, I um, I stand by the server. <laughs> And whenever a beep a beep comes in, and it means that somebody's watching the site, I there's a crank. People don't know this, but on the <laughs> side of the Linode box, yeah. there's a little <laughs> oh, yellow so crank, crank that you fold out and you uh-huh. crank it, uh-huh. and the colors change, Incredible. and that's how it works. It's JavaScript and CSS, and Krista Morgan did it. And there you go. It, that, it, there's not much more to it than that. It's that's what it is.
0: Uh, if you would like to send in a hashtag Snell question for us to uh, open an episode of the show with, just send out a tweet with the hashtag Snell or use question marks Snell Talk in the RelayFM members' Discord. I have some real-time follow-up for you, Jason, based on the ATP show notes for episode 480. James Thompson is referred to as James Thompson. John Gruber's name is crossed out. Yes. Casey's referred to as Casey. Um, and uh, John
1: Syracuse is referred to as John. Yes,
0: but that makes sense, though, right? John,
1: Casey, Marco, that totally makes sense. Makes that track. Because they're the host of the show. Yeah. But but I'm Snell, Stephen is Stephen, mm-hmm. and James is James Thompson. Yep. I don't know.
0: I have some real follow-up, Well, you do. The studio display firmware has been updated to, quote-unquote, improve the camera.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's Do what they wanna... said. And, and did they? <laughs> did they? Uh, so I'm, I I, was out running and I got a, a text from Apple PR saying we're releasing a firmware update. And I'm like, oh boy. Uh, so I get back to the house and I update the firmware on one of the displays, but not the other one because I have a review unit that I haven't sent back yet. And I have Pretty one that i Pretty great that, that you've got
0: two displays right now, isn't it?
1: Right. So I updated the firmware on one and that took a lot longer than you thought you would think because you have to update to a beta of the os and then you have to update from the beta the firmware
0: when you say the os you mean mac os right you have to update to a mac os beta then yeah to developer public beta
1: and then it updates the monitor which is not great because now i'm on a beta again and it's it 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 broke stuff (laughs) it broke shortcuts it broke a bunch of stuff so i'm not happy about that um but, uh, and the truth is you could just, all you need to do is update something, some Mac to the beta, update the display, and then uh, it'll work the same on any Mac it connects to because it's standalone software running on this thing. Anyway, so is it different? Yeah. Is it better? I guess. Like uh, in our show doc, you've got like image looks a little better, crop is better. And I added question marks at the end of them because it's like, what what, and it's hard to say. But I had them p- placed as closely together as possible, and yep. I did a bunch of video. So I have, I have one on, on an arm, and so I had that one basically kind of spooning the other one <laughs> that it was right in front of it um, so that the, the <laughs> cameras were very, very close. One of them was about a half an inch higher and maybe a half an inch back, but they're yep. as close as they could possibly get to one another and not interfere with the wide-angle camera on either one of them, right? Because I, I, when I was setting it up, I was like, oh, that looks good. And then I realized that I could see the top of the other display. So I had to adjust a little bit. I got them as close as I could. And as far as I can tell, in in my setup, and of course, every environment's different because it is dynamically changing its settings based on who knows what it, it, what it sees, it looked like they backed off on the crop a little bit so that gives them more pixels to work with which is kind of smart i think maybe the crop was too aggressive and um it seems to be maybe a little less aggressive when it's moving around that it does that a little a little bit less um but and oh and key point if you turn it off the crop when you turn off center stage mm-hmm. is a little bit lower it's still not as low as it probably should be, but it's a little bit lower than it was before where you turn it off and it would be like the top half of your head when you were sitting in front of your display, which is just terribly framed. They, they seem to have moved it a little bit. Um, so is it better? A little. Does this solve all the problems? Well, no. I mean, it doesn't change the fact that this is a... Uh, that this is a wide-angle 12-megapixel camera that they also used in the iPad, and that it is not ever going to provide, the hardware-wise, it's just never going to provide the same experience as a camera that is devoting all of its pixels to the perfect frame of you sitting in front of the display. That's just a decision they made that they thought it was more important to forego some image quality in return for uh, getting center stage. And uh, as you pointed out to me privately, last week and then also I think mentioned on Connected I am a big proponent of Center Stage on the Mac Mm -hmm. so it's my fault that this happened I apologize to everyone (laughs) Mike Mike (laughs) literally wrote you did
0: this
1: (laughs) Um, it was very funny to me
0: because I I don't remember what it was but I think at a a moment you mentioned like maybe Center Stage was a mistake I think we were talking about this and to which I
1: said you you for months,
0: months and I was like I think I went back and found your first article, yes, like where you said, like this must you know, like, I'm in we the must bag for center this.
1: stage. So, yeah. here's the thing. Three quarters of the Macs that are sold are laptops, right? Yeah. It kind of makes sense on a laptop. You're doing a Zoom call. You put it on the on the coffee table. You're sitting back. It auto frames you. You know, you're talking to family, yes. and a family member comes in. Like it makes more sense on a laptop. I still think that there's a use case for it on an iMac or something like that because it's sitting on a table somewhere, and you may be moving around, or it's in the kitchen, or they've got all these different places where you might use an iMac theoretically. Uh, I have yet to see a kitchen iMac in the wild. I'm sure they exist. Anyway the a, a standalone display to sit at a desk and use it is probably the least likely max scenario that requires center stage but they ran with it right i think they made the wrong call i believe yeah.
0: the studio display is collateral damage in an overall product decision that apple has made which is that all front facing cameras will be sent will get center stage except the iphone maybe the iphone so- one day but
1: I think you're probably right, and I think that although I think that our little corner of the world is not necessarily representative of of like the whole user base for a standalone display, it's it's a lot closer, right? Like mm-hmm. like the the people who focus on Apple stuff and listen to podcasts about Apple and stuff like that, probably you know, not representative of all. Apple users, certainly all iPhone users, probably not even of all Mac users, but when you get down to the level of the standalone $1,600 display, that's for people who care about the the uh, the, the the resolution of that display and the fact that it's 5K at 27, and like th- that is actually kind of us. And so, seeing this reaction, it's very clear. And and I'll just say it like I'm not. As strident about this because I kind of don't care. I like Center Stage, and it doesn't, I doesn't. I can perfectly accept that the quality is lower because it's like okay, you know, whatever. But Center Stage is cool. Like I get it, but it's clear I think that most people just want a nice webcam that works, and that if Apple had built in a static 4K webcam properly framed in a way that we have come to appreciate it, that would be good enough. And um, and and they they didn't. And I think that center stage still has its place on the Mac, but um, one, they might want to consider upgrading the optics on it, like using a better camera. And two, let's not, let, just to step back a second, I still think the firmware is bad. I still think that 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 uh, turn off center stage crop is still wrong. It's better than it was, but I think it's still too high. I used it over the weekend for a and d session and I had to like lower my display and raise my chair in order to try and get it to the right height. Um, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's, it, it still doesn't seem right. So there's that. And then um, I think if you, people looked at like the white balance and looked at a histogram of the image and did some like contrast stuff. And it's like, I also feel like, the software is making bad decisions that make it look worse than it needs to, even if the hardware is so limited. So I think that the the firmware d- shipped in an unfinished state or an unacceptable state, and that's unfortunate. And then um, the big issue, which is the Apple it just works black box kind of thing, is out there too, which is why is there not a settings panel somewhere for this thing? Why can I not choose to reduce the color you know, saturation or change the contrast or something, anything. And maybe it's because they're using their image pipeline. Maybe do we need photographic styles for our webcam? I don't know. That was This would also solve your problem, right? Yeah. Like a webcam settings app for a, a, a separate webcam, frequently those have a little box that lets you say, what's the refresh rate of your lights mm-hmm. so that it doesn't flicker. And Apple's like, no, 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 we got this. We got this. You don't need any settings but they don't got this. <laughs>
0: not on the studio display. So uh, listeners may remember me saying that on my iMac and on my MacBook Pro, the flickering issue that I was having here at the studio because of the overhead light that I have uh, had gone away, that Apple seemed to have in macOS 12.3 fixed this. The studio display is not fixed. Um, ah. Weirdly, in mean, about one in five attempts of me opening and quitting an app like Zoom, it will fix itself. But it is incredibly inconsistent. So like I can open an app and it's flickering. Quit, open, quit, open, quit, open, quit. Oh, it's fixed. So I don't understand why I think I'm using the current shipping firmware. I don't know if there's any change in the beta firmware. Uh, But at the moment, I'm having this annoying situation where I'm at my desk on my studio display. I need to do a video call. So I then need to go over to my iMac, turn on my iMac and use that one instead because my iMac's camera is fine. Finding this very frustrating. I don't know why this is happening. It seems like it's, you know, if you could fix it in one place, why haven't you fixed it everywhere? and like Jason said if they just allowed me to change the rate from 60 to 50 hertz or whichever way around it is I could fix this like I've been able to like every Logitech camera lets me fix this settings Settings. just let me change it you can put this in system preferences just put it in system preferences like it's fine you know
1: like if you want to turn off center stage but you want to have the framing you want why is there not like a little interface with a little box where I can drag out how big I want the frame to be and where in the frame I want it to be and have it be like I, I want it to be a little bit lower but Apple's like no 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 no, no no, we got this. And again, they don't. don't they don't they don't got it. And and I can like setting aside the should they have put center stage on the desktop, uh, and and clearly from everybody in our sphere, or not everybody, a majority of people I would say in our sphere, the answer is no. It's not really necessary. We really just wanted a good webcam that was solid and that did its job. People are pining for the iMac Pro webcam, which is just a 1080 webcam. It's nothing special at all, but it was okay, right? And people are like, oh, remember that? That's a bad sign, right? But but there is this whole other level, which is which is. If you're gonna do center stage and you're gonna have it be like this, the software should be better. Like the software mm. should be better. There's no doubt. It doesn't look good, and it looks like the, the software could do a better job. And then separately, if you, how about uh, how about user settings? How about letting me? I get you want everything to be a default, but like let me adjust a setting. I, I would like to be able to say, um, I did this on webcam settings for my Logitech webcam all the time. I was like. Wow, it's too saturated. My whole face is glowing red. I would like it to be a little less saturated. Can't do that either. It just is what it is. It's ridiculous.
0: Uh, This Friday, May 6th at 9.30 a.m. Pacific, 12.30 a.m. Eastern U.S. and half past five British summertime, uh, I'm going to be voiding a warranty live on Twitch uh, at Mike.live as I rip open a Touch ID magic keyboard with mr jason snow esquire's help and w- i'm gonna try and pull out all of the components to get an external touch id button uh so and i don't think i told you jason i've decided to drop it now i'm I, my overall goal now is to try and embed this in one of my keyboards
1: oh man Can i don't imagine? know
0: if or how this is going to be possible but that's my like later goal um but yeah, but first I have to get it out of there. So I've got all the iFixit tools um, and we're going to have a blast next this Friday, May 6th. So come and join us. It'll be fun.
1: Well, yeah, at the very least, I would love i would love for it to, to lead to a, get a like a 3D printed enclosure or something. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can't get it inside of a keyboard, that's the plan, right? Get a little box that I can. Put right, so it. I will just be there to cheer you on, yep. I guess, as a guest star. Yep, And maybe so to, to help me with the do. iFixit guide. Oh, sure. Oh, help. Love mm-hmm. it. Love mm-hmm. it. So instead of just sitting there going, boo, you screwed it up, boo, I can yeah. actually be helpful. Imagine, wow, I don't know why I didn't assume that I would be helping, but I did not. So, okay. <laughs> Just, I'm going to be there to shout at you. Now, and also, yeah. you know,
0: to contact the emergency services in case of a thermal event, right. you know.
1: I dial 999, right? That's what I do in the UK. Yep. 999?
0: Y- if you were in the UK, yes, you would dial that number.
1: Yeah. So I'll do I'll do one and then four, plus 44 four is the country code. Plus plus four four nine 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 nine, 999. Mm-hmm. And then I say, hello, UK emergency, my friend... Soldered his hand to a keyboard. <laughs> uh, I have
0: one room roundup up item for you, Jason. Uh, it's
1: a small corral. There's only a couple of uh, of uh, of heifers in the mm-hmm. corral today.
0: And this is also kind of follow-up because last week we saw mock-ups of the back of the iPhone 14 line, right? So we got the kind of the sizes of the iPhones. Now we are reportedly got Im- we have images uh, via Mac Rumors of the displays. These are again shared on Weibo. Uh, what we can see here is the kind of s- the regular phones, the standard phones, the iPhone 14 and the iPhone 14 Max, looking pretty much as you would expect with the notch. But the Pro phones now feature two cutouts. One for the camera, like a hole punch, and then a pill-shaped cutout for the face ID sensors. Right. The bezels are slimmer across all of the phones, but also apparently the Pro phones have a, are slightly taller, giving them a revised aspect ratio of 20 by 9 rather than 19.5 by 9.
1: Uh, so I read Mark Gurman's newsletter this weekend, and and mm-hmm. uh, he's the sheriff of, of the rumor roundup, of yep. course. He, um, by the way, I, I'm enjoying that newsletter a lot. But I also have noticed that, you know, when you have to write a thing every week instead of just when you've got breaking news, he's he's ventured into our sphere, yes, of speculation and what I would like instead of here's Honestly, what I report. Honestly, I think that's part of why it exists.
0: So he can yeah. do that, right? Because you can't yeah. talk about he can't talk like that um, in a kind of like official capacity, I guess.
1: Right. Here's a big Bloomberg story about Mark German speculating about what he would like to see in the next right they don't yeah. do that right nope. so it, so no it's 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 fun to see him putting on his his a uh, punditry hat uh what's confusing is where you ha- you start reading it and you're like is this you know a, a report no he, it's just a dream um it's just kind of wish casting and you just got to keep those separate there was a a, a reuters opi- reuters pushed out a, an opinion column last week Without getting into the subject more than this, it pushed out an opinion column mm-hmm. by somebody at Reuters. You know, and it's a mm-hmm. wire service, so you can see why people sort of take it as, like, fact. And the opinion column was, I don't think the the Elon Musk Twitter deal is going to work. And I saw that spread everywhere as, like, report. Mm-hmm. Tesla, You know, Elon Musk deal for Twitter is falling apart. And I was like, I read the story... It was an opinion column. So
0: I don't know if they changed it, but I think originally this went around because the the opinion column was called "Breaking Views." Yes, like breaking news. So people just Except, read it as uh-huh. breaking news. Uh, Fool But it's not. It's just
1: it's it's just an opinion. It was col- a decent opinion. So but, I, I would say, know. and I'm not, and I'm not criticizing mark here because i actually really like it but but since we're so used to we're so trained that he's doing reports that when he starts talking about what he'd like to see that's not a report right that's just what he'd like to see unless it's coded but i don't think it is i think it's literally just what he'd like to see i while we're talking about the new iphones um I, i wanted to mention something that mark german said this week which was uh i'm interested how you feel about this he said yes the notch will be replaced in this phone with the little pill shape and the little circle." And what he was addressing was like, what are the benefits of that? And his response was, there are no benefits. All it really does is make it look different. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to have a new phone and say, look, haha, I have the new iPhone. Look how different it is. It's got these two little dots instead of a notch, then great. But in terms of functionality, like that's a safe area. You can't put anything up there anyway. I thought it was good analysis because I think that in, in the end, while it is The goal is to make the notch disappear entirely and the less stuff that's covered on the display where you can have like background color and stuff, the better. In terms of functionality, it makes no difference because it's still in a space where nothing can happen. Mm -hmm. I think it will be visually
0: more appealing, but I think this is just a step, right? Like the step being to eventually hide all of this behind the display, right? Like that's the ultimate goal here. Lots of companies are trying and failing to make this work, but like that's how all this technology goes, right? The ideal here is that we don't have to see any of this. The sensors are hidden behind the display, the cameras hidden behind the display. So I can imagine this being more visually appealing, takes up less space, uh, mm-hmm. We'll see, though. I mean, it could be more distracting to have these two little, like, black dots in the middle of your know. phone. I don't know. Somebody but...
1: can create a game with a bunch of little black dots and pills all over mm-hmm. the screen, and some of them move around, but real. two of them don't.
0: Uh, but I, I do agree with, with Mark Gurman's analysis that it, this is purely to make the new phone, at least the Pro models, visually identifiable. and Because I, I think over time, what Apple has learned is that's when they have the big quarters. When the phone looks different, I mean, everybody knows this by now, right? We've said it a million times. Everyone said it a million times. You can look at the charts. When they change the design of the phone, they see the biggest impact. Of course, when they make yes vi- physical changes, I actually think that this that the iPhone fourteen is going to do great anyway, because like for this and also the return of the large. Uh, phone that's not a Pro phone. A
1: large non-Pro phone will think, sell a bunch between of Between the two I of these, right.
0: I think the 14 is going to be very good for them.
1: And I love my iPhone mini, and I'm probably not going to replace it at all. But I will say, even I feel the pull when they create a Pro level that's differentiated. Mm-hmm. The more they do that, the more I'm like, oh, I could get the Especially Pro. Especially this it's got one's going, going to have features. that camera, right? The maker, right, Well, this camera. is the thing. So they already added, they've got ProMotion. They've got the third camera. Now they're going to do a camera upgrade. There's a processor upgrade. There's the the replacing the notch with this stuff. Like you're talking about a bunch, like even more things are, are differentiated. And that does have a gravitational pull, right? That's going to pull a lot of people who, who are like, Spec interested away from the cheaper model because they're going to be like, oh. whereas when they were basically the same except for maybe like an extra camera, a lot less appealing. But when they're like, oh, and and the processor's better and like everything's better in it, it will be a little more tempting. And and so I I agree. Uh, do you want to hear my A sixteen speculation? Yeah, because we have. I, don't, I was thinking about this.
0: I don't think we've touched on this, right?
1: So the that, report is yeah. that the, that from from chi Kuo, the marshal. Of the roundup, I guess, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Is that Mm -hmm. what we decided? That's what we decided, yep. Um, Ming-Chi Kuo said that the Pro phone will get the A16. The regular phone will stay on the A15, which is weird, right? Because it's like, well, we upgraded the the new iPhone, but it doesn't have a new processor. It's just got the A15 that you all know. (laughs) And... Maybe that's the case, but I had a moment of clarity because, you know, the challenge here is that are they committing then to having every year, like next year, it'll be the A16 in the iPhone 15 and the A17 in the iPhone 16. It's very complicated, right? What if, just throwing it out there, just spitballing, this is all it is. What if instead of it being the A15 in the iPhone 14 and the A16 in the iPhone 14 Pro, right? Right. What if Apple says, "Hey, the A16 is here." And what what the A16 really is is a very small improvement on the A15. It's using new cores maybe, but it is otherwise essentially the A15. And then there's an A16 Pro chip. Mm. that's better That is that goes in the iPhone Pro. And I say that because it allows them to claim that the new chip is in both models, but that there's a better chip in the Pro phone. Mm. And I think from a marketing standpoint... I think that's a better move than saying it's 15 in the old and 16 in the new, is to differentiate like they do on the Mac and say there's a there's an A16 and an A16 Pro. And then we all do the benchmarking on the new iPhone that's got the A16, and we're like, wow, this is really just basically an A15. Uh-huh, it maybe,
0: is. Maybe they do the binning of the... Um... Graphics processes like they've done in some right other devices
1: maybe maybe so maybe it's yeah it's purely based on binning yep. um and the cores are the same or the cores are a little bit big, better but you can't really tell or they they save some efficiency so it's more efficient but it it's slower on the A16 but the yep. A16 Pro gets to I'm just saying the more I think about this and this is based on no reports I am literally just making this up I. If I were in that room at Apple, I'd be like, can we, can we make it different enough that we can call it the A16 and the A16 Pro rather than having last year's chip in this year's phone and also also this year's chip in this year's Pro phone? Would that be a better look for us? And maybe not. Maybe Tim Cook's like, nah, it's fine. It's a cheaper phone. They're going to be a step behind. We're already more than a lap ahead of the competition, so we can afford yeah. to do this. But I, I just think... I keep thinking, calling it the A16 when it's not particularly better or different than the A15, just a little bit, and then saying we also have the A16 Pro keeps everything in lockstep a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, I also think it's very confusing that we have these chip numbers and model numbers and they're off by two. That also drives me uh, batty. So to have it be three different numbers that you have to keep track of, iPhone 14 with A15 and A16, that also is a lot. So, you know, they got issues. But anyway, that's my, that's my completely idle speculation is what if they, instead of having a 15 and a 16, they had a 16 and a 16 Pro mm-hmm. and the 16 was essentially the 15, but, you know, dressed up a little bit.
0: Here's what, I'll just put this out there. I don't think this is going to happen, but I'll put it out there. What if they say that there's the A16 in the iPhone 14 and the iPhone 14 Pro has an M2 chip in it? Could... Now that's I mean, okay, so I wanna just unpack that a little bit because <laughs> that's quite <laughs> a thing I've said, right? So what we could say is that the A sixteen what we think of as the A sixteen is probably the base of the next M chips anyway, right? It's the expect an expectation that we can make. And you would say, Well, it's not gonna have a Thunderbolt port. No, of course it won't. And and I don't you know, I think Apple could design it however they wanted to and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and it's all branding at the end of the day. What I'll say the reason I would say this as a possibility is just that the M line, I think has a very good brand right now, maybe a better brand than the A line, just like in general um technology media and like obs- observation.
1: I think the challenge is how much has the M diverged from the A? Yeah. right how 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 much is it done I mean is it really because the impression I've gotten is that it, it really is appreciably larger and uses more power and is more appropriate mm-hmm. for an iPad and a Mac than it is for an iPhone yeah. um, i I see what you're saying I, I and and this is the larger point I really support even though I'm not quite sure that the calling it an m2 works uh, is Apple these are Apple's chips they can brand them however they want. I just don't think that the branding of holding the the iPhone 14 back a year in school mm-hmm. <laughs> to help the teacher mm-hmm. is makes a- as much sense. All of their other chips now are like coming uh you know pro and ultra and max and their phones are in pro max and all of that. So why not just say hey here's our non pro phone it has the non pro chip and here's our pro phone and it has the pro chip and be done with it and they call it the same thing. Like that that makes more sense to me. I agree with you. Cuz pro is now in the in the chip lineup. I will just say, you know, yeah. in case
0: I can stop people from sending their tweets to me. I don't believe this thing about the M. I just want I just wanted to put it out there as like hey, it's a thing. Cuz right.
1: cuz like, they can do what they want. I mean, that's the bottom yes, line. They can call things like what anything. they want and and that's fine. Yeah, they can they can call it whatever they want, and
0: this is why I mentioned that because as you said, like they might just call something the A sixteen that's not actually really an A sixteen at all, but they've just decided to call it that because they want to keep bumping the numbers up, and so that's why I would say this right that like it can share some architecture, and they can just call it the M two. I do like honestly the idea of A sixteen Pro because of the fact that they use Pro and Max and like they have these names now that are like their branding can let you kind of forget the confusing part, which is the number. Right. And then, you know, I, I honestly, I think maybe it's time to rebrand the A line of chips anyway, just because we're getting up into way too high numbers
1: and there's too many
0: numbers now. And
1: the iPhones are also numbered, right? Yes, like it's exactly. too much. It's too many numbers. Too many numbers. numbers. <laughs> too many numbers. <laughs> that's all right. That's our big analysis. That's mm-hmm. right. Thank you, Apple. Thank you for hiring us as your consultants. Too many numbers. That's, that's what we say. Also, I'll throw out there. You could also just call the a 16, the a 15 pro. And do it that way if you wanted to. Yeah. If, if the A15 is literally no different and you're not putting a new chip in that base model iPhone, you could call the new thing A15 Pro instead of A16. And because you can call it whatever you want and say, yeah, this is the, A16, the A15 Pro. And then they're in lockstep again, one number ahead of the iPhone number, by the way. But there it is. Too many numbers.
0: This episode is brought to you by Electric. When leading your small business, it's not all glamour. In fact, sometimes it's a matter of spending hours trying to find a laptop lost in the mail, sent out for that new hire, or dealing with some kind of technical emergency, which you're well-equipped to deal with, but maybe you don't have the time. The team over at Electric, no small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges. That's why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. Instead of spending your time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops, and answering never-ending IT questions from your team, you can build that empire. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to doing what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. I think this is awesome. I think this is such a great idea as a project, like as a, a product for, for somebody to get as a part of their team rather than maybe having to hire an IT department maybe before you're ready, maybe it's like too big a cost, to have a platform and a company look after it for you so you can have the people that know exactly what needs to be done helping out your employees and also so you don't have to spend that time that you could be doing other things trying to fix these issues. I think it's great. So, you know, if you run a small company, you have a, some tech that you're dealing out with your employees, I really really think you should check this out and for upgrade listeners electric are offering a free pair of beats solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting just go to electric.ai slash upgrade fm that's electric.ai slash upgrade fm go there now to get your free pair of beats solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting our thanks to electric for their support of this show and relay fm i got my playdate.
1: yay it arrived
0: on friday uh, and so I've had like three or four days with with this beautiful little yellow device. Mm-hmm. I got one play date with the purple pouch, uh, and I wanted to talk through some of my feelings with you, Jason, and then maybe touch on some more games because obviously I've had Let's two do it. sets of games. I think you've had three now,
1: and I've had uh, I I think I only have had two sets delivered so far. Oh, okay, maybe oh, today a third I think set today has been you're going to
0: get another two. I think you you should if if I've got my internal clock right there. So mm-hmm. the packaging is wonderful, this beautiful yellow packaging. It is. I did have to chuckle, and it's a mean thing to laugh about, but I did chuckle that the copyright date on the packaging is 2020.
1: Yeah. That was <laughs> the easy part.
0: Uh, well, I mean, that just, that's when they thought they were shipping it, right? Just, so they printed it with 2020 on it. I've been there right i am there still with some products you you know it's just how it goes
1: and if people want to see the packaging and all of that i did unbox it as you chastised me about last week because i didn't know how to play the games i know how to play the games now Mm -hmm. uh but i hadn't played them yet anyway so there's a youtube video where i take it apart and i show you the packaging and it's uh, adorable
0: yeah so i'll I'll put a link to that in the show notes yeah it's it's definitely worth uh going to see just because it's it's cute I'll say like it's, they did a good job They They've really, I, I think the branding has been completely knocked out of the park overall with the play date. Um, but yeah, we spoke a little bit about that last week. Uh, my unit arrived totally dead. The battery was 100% dead.
1: This came up on the live stream. Um, I had to plug mine. Mine was not so dead that the screen didn't show a thing saying you need to plug me in.
0: No, mine was 100% nothing. But
1: I heard from other people mm-hmm. who had nothing. And, and it came out, I mean, we were we were thinking because mine had to sit for quite a while. Um, and it, it came out that if you did plug it in and you just waited a long time, it would eventually get to the point where it would be responsive. They just, a lot of them had been sitting for so long that the batteries were completely yep. discharged.
0: Mine was like half an hour and it was ready to go, which I thought was fine to be honest. Like it wasn't an issue. I'm just happy I saw this on the Playdate Twitter account because I would have been pretty worried. Yeah. Uh, well,
1: that and they did that because it. We were all figuring it out, like in the, those of us who got them right in those yep. first few days, and this happened, and then and so then they're like, "Oh yeah, we need to relay this to everybody that you may get it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just plug it in and wait."
0: The setup process is great. One of the things that I really enjoy is text input with the crank. You don't have to Mm. to enter text a lot. If you did, this would be annoying. Um, But it's it's like like a kind of passwords and stuff. It's like kind of like a slot machine. You have at least three drums, and you can just Mm -hmm. spin them with the. I like it. It's fun. Um, Like you mentioned last week, it becomes apparent very quickly that this device needs a backlight. It's it is the only thing that I have negative to say about the playdate. The screen is amazing. It's incredibly crisp. And if you have some light behind you, it's fantastic and really it visible. Is. But the problem is you don't always. Like sometimes, you know, I kind of just, I just hold the device at the comfortable angle for me and now I've locked out the light, you know? And so like that is, it's an issue. I hope yeah. somebody, honestly, I hope panic will. I know why they might not, but I hope that they will just make A light accessory, like we used to have for Game Boys, clip-on light, yeah. Just do it, like it's fine, right? Like, embrace it, and like you know, I understand what they're saying, and I like the screen technology that they chose with it being so reflective cannot be backlit. I get that. My question is, why did you make that? I'm I'm really intrigued as to why they made that decision, anyway but it's where they went.
1: You see it with Kindles and things, that Mm -hmm. that they, you know, with a Kindle... Um, they engineered side lighting where basically you add a little bit of thickness but you've got lights on the sides yeah. that are, that are uh, there's like a little guide, a little light guide that shines the lights just down onto the screen. And I guess that's hard and it would make it thicker and like it's a first, I, I get it, I get it all, but it is unfortunate that that is one of the things where you're playing it and you get, you readjust your posture to be more comfortable and you can't, suddenly you can't see what's going on yeah. on the screen. It's not great. But I let it
0: go because when you do have the right lighting, the screen is like unfathomably excellent to look at. It is. It is just fantastic. It is similar to if you have played an analog pocket, which is the kind of the the Game Boy machine, right? That is similar, right? The screen is just like, I can't believe how good this is. Um, And so, yeah, as as Zach has mentioned in the the Discord on the Panic podcast, they said they saw the screen first and then wanted to design, design a device around it. I understand that. I would have maybe said that they still should have found some kind of way to implement some kind of light system. Or um, sell it as an add-on immediately. I hope to do it in the future. But anyway, the speakers are amazing. Really clear, really loud, and all of the music in every game that I've played so far is great, uh, which, is, which works really nicely. Uh, I'm sure because of there being no lighting in it, the battery life is great. I've been really happy with the battery. Um, I've been playing the system a bunch over the weekend. I've charged it once uh, and it charges really fast. Mm -hmm. So, overall, like before I get into some of the games and touch on those a little bit, I just think like what I like about the PlayDate is it is pure fun. Like in a way that games aren't always, or like playing games isn't always, that this just like it doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, it has a crank on it, which I've actually really enjoyed the crank mechanic in the games that mm-hmm. I've played so far. Uh, a podcast that I was listening to uh, recently, um, one of the hosts, two of the hosts, uh, Blessing Hedioio Jr. and Janet Garcia on Kind of Funny Games Daily, they referred to the Playdate as this is this, a game system for art kids and hipsters. And like, that is not, like I can hear someone hearing that, but that sounds disparaging, but I completely understand it. Like The types of games that are on Playdate are very artistic in their creation. like In a way that is not going to sell millions of units, but for people that have $180 to put down on a yellow thing, which is tiny, the size of a post-it note, with a crank on it, those people probably want games for art kids and hipsters because they are one of those two. Like, yep. you are a hipster game person if you buy this, and so the games should be focused on that. And, like, one of the games I'm going to mention in a minute called Bloom is like that, which is a, a third-party game. But, like, it, so, it, it hits nicely.
1: And... And I mean, okay, so and hipsters and our kids, right? It can, mm-hmm. Those are those are like stereotype terms and all that. But I think what what has struck me about it, and it's not just because we know the people at Panic, although it is that too, is a a group of regular people who love games and are techie people, but and they have a company, right, which allows mm-hmm. them to do this. But they are not a giant entertainment conglomerate. A group of techie people who love games said, "We're going to make a handheld game device." yep, and they made it happen, and that's my favorite thing about the playdate. Is that it is not part of a. Although there is, I'm sure, corporate strategy involved, and they had to spend all those years working with their factory in Malaysia and doing all these things, right? Like, it is a corporation. Panic's a corporation. And they're, they're trying not to, you know, have this bankrupt them and maybe and look, be successful. Panic but is now
0: was, a big company getting bigger all
1: the time, right? Right. But, like, but yeah. I will still say Playdate is a product made out of love. Yes. And, and, you feel and it. I defy you to find any piece of gaming hardware or at least any piece of original game an original game device that is made out of love i'm sure there are a handful out there and in fact that um your uh the your analog pocket analog pocket yeah, is that comes probably in too. that category mm-hmm. but even there it's playing old software mm-hmm. at least as one of the primary ideas here but it's like panic just wanted to make a fun piece of hardware because they love games and again it's more than that but like I I just am trying to say the impetus for so much stuff in the gaming world, especially, and really in the world, is it comes from the top. It comes from, I'm a giant corporation, what is our new product going to be, and how do we compromise it, and how do we tie it into all of these things? And although the people who are working on that love games, undoubtedly, it's not the same as making it... Out of love, which is what Panic did. Yep. And
0: that's like, again, like I want to bring it back to what I mentioned, right? The art kids and hipsters. Like the art part is, and why I just think this works is the PlayDate, it's for people who love the art of video games. It's like right. that video games are a work of art. And you feel that in this device where it's like, we have a great appreciation for what video gaming can be, and it can be this. It doesn't need to be all black and gray and army suits and guns, right? Like, it yep. can be there's a little robot, and he's late for a date, and he can move yep. forwards and backwards in time, right? <laughs> yeah
1: it's kicked if he's too late uh that yeah we'll talk about it yeah it is adorable
0: one of the games casual birder which is one of the first games that you get casual birder is a joke about casual gaming and like you are referenced as a oh you're just a casual birder like the it's this joke in this rpg about bird watching is the idea of like you are not a hardcore gamer which oh, I yeah, no, enjoy the mean a lot. I,
1: I I said this last time the mean kids come out and say mm-hmm. what are you some sort of casual birder yeah, It's really good. <laughs> and so uh
0: casual birder I really enjoyed a lot. Um it is a I thought
1: you would. I thought that was the one where I thought this yeah. is a my kind of game. That
0: I was so in. I've I've finished the game. I didn't 100% the game. You can you have to like take photos of a bunch of birds around the environment and i think it's like 26 and you can complete it earlier than that which i did if you solve enough of the puzzles in the in the right order because it's very much like a an rpg in the sense of you can tell you need to do something but you don't have the thing to do it so you have to go around the environment until you come across the like the the key for that puzzle, as it were. And it's hilariously funny. I was having a great time with it. The music is amazing. Uh, it is a really funny, weird, cute little game. Um, this is one of the first games along with Water Wipeout, which is the surfing game, which I will say, Jason, I enjoy it, but I'm not good at it.
1: i have gotten way better at it and i am really i'm really enjoying it now that i figured out how to play it yep which you you were very angry about but i have gotten yeah i've done done some 360s i've done some some triple 360s whatever that is i've done i i've i'm I'm still i wish there was a like a help screen that that like
0: yeah i have this with a few of the games yeah and, and this one is like there are controls in Whitewater Wipeout to help you get better at the game, and they tell you them through the game. I would just like to be able to to see them uh,
1: right. at any point. I also don't know what they all do. Like, They're like, try holding down left when you do a jump. I'm like, okay, yeah, and I and I'm still does not. something. I, I think it moves the board th- quickly. Like, It, it I, helps you complete the move, but I'm not sure it does that. Like As uh, yeah. a kid going to arcades, if you stood in front of the arcade and nobody was playing... You stood in front of the arcade console. It had like a little demo screen where it said, here's how you play, basically. Press this to do this. Jump over trees to stun them. You know, turn turn the ghosts blue and then eat them, right? Like... It explained how to play the game. And that if I have a criticism of these um these games, it's that is I kinda want the, the little screen that's like the help screen or the intro screen or the yeah. you know, press here to get some tips and it shows you like here's how to play this game. And I get that maybe the argument is the fun is figuring it out, but I almost abandoned Whitewater Wipeout because I could not understand how to play I mean, it. And only can,
0: after you've told me them. Let me see them then, right? Like, if part of it is, like... Sure. So like, I played a game... I don't remember which one it was now. One of the many third-party games that I've tried out. Where when you pressed the kind of menu button, like the little circle button that you press uh, to go back to the home, like, it kind of brings up, like, a pause screen first. They had the controls listed on that screen, mm-hmm. which I just thought was, like, a smart place to put them. Uh, because there's another game, Boogie Loops, which is in the second uh, week, where... I do not understand what this game is or what I'm supposed to do.
1: I think it's a more like a software toy.
0: I think yeah, I think it just helps you make music, right? But I don't know how. You,
1: you make music and you get <laughs> the characters to dance. I don't know how. I don't I don't, get it. I don't know how and I don't know what I'm missing. And again, yeah. again, I I get that the learning my son is obsessed with games, right? Yeah. I get that learning to play a game is part of the game narrative, right? Mm -hmm. Of like, we we frustrate you, but then you learn. But there is also a school of thought that says you are not welcoming people who are not figuring it out and are not going to figure it out to your game. You You are excluding people. By not being welcoming enough that somebody who doesn't get your very potentially esoteric gamers will get it, other people won't kind of thing. You don't want to be that. You want to be a welcoming game. You want to be able to say, oh, you're having trouble, let me help you. And a game that doesn't do that or doesn't offer it, again, offering is something you can do where you're like no i'll figure it out that's like every computer nerd where they don't read the manual right it's Mm -hmm. like i don't need to read the manual i'll figure it out and then if you have trouble you go get the manual right that's how you do it but to not offer and to not have it and just be like good luck trying to figure it out i think it i think it is a failure of game design if you do that and and that's how i feel about that game is that it doesn't want me to understand it and um I don't like that. I think that's. I, I don't think that's my failure. That, that I that I don't understand it, and that you don't understand it. I think that yeah. is the game failing to communicate properly about how it works. But
0: you know, this is so. This comes back to it of like that set the the the, the this game. I'm not into it. Like it's not for me. But I also got. Kranken's Time Travel Adventure today, which is really fun. This is the game they have used uh, in most of the marketing because of who has created this game. This game, uh, the idea of the game is, and the design of the game is by Keito Takahashi, who created uh, Katamari Damasi and like mm-hmm. the Katamari games. Legendary video game uh, individual. Yeah. And it's, you know, Sean Inman helped with the pro. Like, this is a. Oh. Uh, This is this game is like oh okay like serious people behind this game and uh, I know that Cable Sasser is like a big fan of of the um, the uh, Katamari Damacy games and and that whole franchise so like this was I know this is a big game for them and it is the most crank heavy heavy game it's like yeah
1: all like you are moving forwards and backwards in time as a way to solve puzzles. Um, yeah, and well, it- mm. okay, so it's not really, uh, even though it's called Time Travel Adventure, you're not really moving forward and backward in time. Uh, but yeah. but that's that's part of the discovery of it. I love this game. I think it's amazing. I now understand why it took me a little while to figure it out, but I figured it out. And the mechanic is so simple that you can figure it out fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's a good example, actually, of the, your failure teaches you how to play the game. Yes,
0: because um, I was like, I don't understand why do I keep failing this level. I was like, ah, why do the birds or whatever I keep killing me? It's like, oh, yeah.
1: I see what's happening. Um, but I, I I'm a little baffled that it's not on uh, it's not on the console at launch. That it's week two. I don't get that um, yeah. because it's, it's so inviting and it's brilliant. It, it, I, I, I love it. I love that it is puzzle uh, solving. And then for those who, I mean, the way I would put it is it's not really about time travel because your, ob, your, your enemies in the game, if the, right, the obstacles in the game mm-hmm. move in regular time, mm-hmm. what it really is, is your little robot guy is on his animation loop. And you use the crank to move him to, where, to different places on his animation loop, with the goal being that he gets to the end and gets to his date. But there are obstacles in the way that are moving at real time, and they're going to stop him. And so you have to adjust his animation loop to be in the right position at the right moment to avoid the obstacles. Mm-hmm. It's a really brilliant mechanic. It makes me laugh out loud. There is a moment that I'm not going to spoil here.
0: <laughs> I think I know. That I had is, yeah.
1: yesterday uh-huh. where I laughed for minutes. Like <laughs> I almost was crying at at how funny the and I failed. It was a failure. How funny uh it, that failure was. So yeah, I I uh that 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 game is genius. I love it.
0: So these are all the games that have come uh with the unit, right? So, like these are the ones so far. Now we spoke before, like last time about like how are people going to take to this? Like, is it the right uh, thing? Like, what if you don't like a game, right? I think that it is, they are. I would say not lucky. I think it is very fortunate there. There are third party games, and you can just download them and play them now. Like you can, they, you can buy them on itch.io. You can download them from places. Uh, we included in the show notes last week the Playdate wiki, um, that has a a large selection of all of the games that are available right now and like software like there's some stuff is are not games it's just like software uh, so right. i'll put a link in the show notes of the wiki and cuz that's where i've been finding stuff um and i found a game that i'd actually heard about already uh called bloom and bloom is a 10 dollar playdate game and it is superb it is so good it's my favorite game on the playdate so far um, it is exactly what I'm looking for. So it is a really chill game. You It's played in real time. Uh, you are playing um, a woman who has quit school and wants to start a flower shop. And you're in Japan. And you uh, have not told your parents that you've done this. And you, uh, you've opened your flower shop and you have rent to pay and you have flowers to grow. So you've got flowers to sell. And... You have a little phone and on your phone, you can exchange text messages for friends and family and you get to choose your responses. And so there's like some visual novel elements as the story's unfolding. But then there's also like you plant your flowers, you water the flowers, and then you come back later on in the day and pick the flowers and sell them. So it's got that kind of like mechanic of like, you see this kind of mechanic in free-to-play games a lot, right? Plant and wait. But the idea is because it's in real time, you're supposed to just throughout your day, just pop in, check in on Bloom and like pick some flowers and then plant some more flowers. It's just beautiful. The crank is used really nicely to move between the elements of the game. There's games within the game. It is superb. The writing is excellent. The visuals are really great. Uh, I adore this game. Like for me, it's like this is exactly the type of experience that I'm looking for out of this device. The the idea of having these little games where I can check in on them throughout the day. As when I told Adina about this, she's like, "Oh, you got a Tamagotchi?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, please let somebody make a Tamagotchi for the (laughs) Playdate already!" Right? Like, like this is the kind of stuff I'm looking for out of this device. It's so tiny. That I can just check in on these little things, have a little game experience, you know, and and leave, you know, and so yeah, I if you have a play day, if you're gonna get a play day, please try out Bloom. It is a wonderful game. There's like a video, there's a bunch of information on their uh, itch page, so you can see like if it's the, if you think it might be for you. But like I am like smitten with this game.
1: I think it's amazing. I love it. Um, the other games that I'll mention. That I, I think I mentioned last week, but the uh, Bomber Panda, which is a Bomberman game, and it's funny and uh, it's pretty well done. I I want a lot of like takes on old arcade games on it because I think that yeah. that's a fun sort of they they all a lot of them have very simple mechanics that will uh, apply well. That's why I like Playtris, which is. He has a name now for the Tetris ripoff and he's actually updated it a few times and he fixed the, on my live stream, I think I die and and you can see the frames start animating at like one frame per five seconds because he only built it on on the uh, simulator and the guy um, changed the animation and fixed that. Mm-hmm. And he's added a bunch of stuff to it. So it's like he, he woke up, he was like, oh geez, people are getting play dates and they're playing my thing and it doesn't work that great. I better get back to it. And he's done some updates to that. So that's great because I, I like having a Tetris... On there. And uh, a joke that's worth 99 cents, I've decided is worth 99 cents. It's actually a very clever use of the, it's hard. And you won't play it for that long, but it's actually it makes me laugh at how hard it is because hmm. there's a song that plays and the song continues to play every time you fail. And so the, as you fail, you're like it goes cuts right back to the song and you're like oh song. It's very funny and you okay, use okay cool because I've been
0: I've seen this game referenced a lot and I was like yeah, is, am I going to enjoy this? But if if you like it, I'm going to give this one a go too. Yeah,
1: I mean the idea is that you're you're bouncing a thing on the crank. There's a version of the playdate on the screen and it, the crank matches where you position the crank and you're supposed to bounce. Uh, a little baby actually but you're supposed to bounce a thing that um that hits these stars that appear across the different screen and every star advances the joke one line um so you you know see basically you try to see how long you can keep the little baby bouncing um and how many stars you can hit and when you fail and the baby falls <laughs> Uh, The song cuts right back in, and it's hilarious. (laughs) I gotta say, it's not not a game that you're gonna play for for a lot of hours, but uh, every now and then I get back to it and make. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, it's telling the joke, but it's also is it worth ninety nine cents? Like the animation is really good, and the whole mechanic of using the 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 crank to bounce is brilliant. Um, So yeah, it's totally and it's literally it's a ninety nine cent game on itch, so it's totally worth it.
0: Okay, this is actually kind of funny too, because it's like it's one dollar with a one percent off, so it's ninety nine cents. But I also can't pay pay less than ninety nine cents. You, so you can't. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to pay a
1: dollar on itch. That's part of the thing that makes me laugh about it. Is you uh, you have to you have to pay a dollar. So, it's a joke buy, that's ninety nine cents, but you have to pay a dollar for it. Yeah, yep. I appreciate that. I
0: appreciate the commitment to the bit there. You know. Uh, so yep. what I will say, right? Like. Uh, I know they're working on it, but they desperately need to get the catalog together, so they, I can really find can. these games and install them on my playdate like directly. yeah, the side loading works really well, like i've just been doing the version where I upload it, like you download the file, you just drop yeah. it onto the web page and then you just download it. it like and it works really well and, and I, I think that whole thing is 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 pretty is pretty simple but I want to be able to go to one place and read stuff and see, like, information about the games and that kind of stuff. But I will tell you, man, I have waited a really long time for this, right? Like, everybody, and and I've been really, really excited about this device. And it has not disappointed at all. I adore this thing, and I'm so happy they did it. And I'm just, like, I'm in. Like, I'm in for the next, like... 10 weeks, I'm super excited every Monday to get my new games and also to keep an eye on what the community is building and all that kind of stuff. Like This is super cool. I I love it. I really love it. This episode is brought to you by our friends at TextExpander. Get your team communicating faster so they can focus on what's most important. With TextExpander, your team's knowledge is right at their fingertips. You can get your whole team on the same page at all times on any device by getting information out of silos and into the hands of everyone that needs to use it exactly when they do. You can share this knowledge across departments so everyone is sending a unified message to your customers and not spending a ton of time reinventing the wheel. Here's how TextExpander works. First, store that information. You store it. You keep your company's most used emails, phrases, messages, URLs, and more right within TextExpander. Then you share it. You get your whole team access to all of the content that they need to use every day. You organize it by department and finally expand it. By deploying the content that you need of just a few keystrokes on any device across any app that you use, it really is that easy. Text Expander is available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone and iPad. We use it at Relay FM for this exact thing, for making sure that everybody has the information that they need right when they need it. It's I use it personally to save time, like phrases and stuff that I will write a lot. You know, I just have a couple of keystrokes and I can just fire them off. You know, like, even like the, my address, like if I type in HHO, it just fills in my home address, right? Stuff like that. But it's also for our company, it's not so much about saving the time as it is having the right information at the right time. So, like, when somebody updates the snippet with that new update, Everybody has instant access to the most up-to-date, most available thing with just those keystrokes. It's really super cool. As a listener of Upgrade, you can get 20% off your first year of TextExpander. Go to textexpander.com upgrade to learn more today. That's textexpander.com upgrade. Our thanks to TextExpander for the support of this show and Relay FM. Apple's Q2 results were posted last week. Surprise, there was a lot of money made
1: yeah uh, i mean that part is not surprising at all is it
0: no uh, so here's a rundown Ooh. 97.3 billion dollars total revenue up nine percent year over year which is another record quarter for apple this is the highest q2 of all time that's 25 billion dollars in profit $50.6 billion of revenue for the iPhone, up 5% year over year. $10.4 billion for the Mac, up 15%. $7.6 billion for the iPad, down 2%. That's two down quarters in a row. I want to get to that in a minute. $8.8 billion for wearables, that's up 12%. And $19.8 billion in services, that is up 17% year over year. This is the first sub-20% year-over-year growth since Q4 2020. So uh, all of 2021 and the first quarter of 2022, the year-over-year growth was twenty over 20%, and now it's less than 20%. Did you make anything of that? Like, that just really stood out to me when I was looking uh, at your wonderful charts.
1: I oh, Thank you for the compliment about my charts. Um, it is... It didn't. I mean, it, it... The truth is the numbers have been going up for so long... And, um, there was a spike that was in the twenties, mm-hmm. uh, have, so to have services cool down to 17, like, you know, in 2020 and, and 2019, there was an extended period where growth was in the teens and it's back in the teens. Um, and so I, I just, I, I kind of shrugged it off. I think, I think occasionally they have moments where they, have a a burst of growth, mm-hmm. but to come off of that burst of growth and then just go back to growing in the teens, because you know when you grow a lot, it's harder to grow by that percentage again. Yes, because the growth is so you you starting from you're starting from a much larger amount that you have to grow from, right? Like it yep. makes it raises the bar, and so for them to go off of that four quarters in the twenties or thirties uh, back to seventeen, where they kind of were before, yeah, I mean. There, there are other things you could complain about before you sure. complain about that. Yeah,
0: and especially as well. Like, and I know obviously services doesn't just include Apple TV Plus, but like from a Wall Street perspective, services can mean for Apple whatever they need it to mean at that moment, right? But like at a time where we've been speaking about it the past couple of weeks, right? Like uh, Netflix and CNN Plus, like not great, and then for Apple to say like, hey, we had growth, and they can. In that growth, talk about TV Plus doing so well at a time when it is critically doing so well, right? Like, it's good for them to have, to continue to be having growth. is good for them, Um and it's you know, it, I guess probably Q three. So the next quarter they will crack twenty billion in the quarter for services. They're just under now at nineteen point eight, right? So like. That seems fair. That maybe Q three twenty twenty two will be the first twenty billion dollar a quarter services revenue.
1: It's yeah, just, just keeps on it's, going. Up. It's it's blasting up. That's mm-hmm. just it, yeah, chart goes up like they say. <laughs> yeah. So just, the only down,
0: up. right? The only down is our friend the iPad, which has had its second down quarter in a row. As I mentioned, what do I, you I, what do you take again, from this?
1: I, I just don't have... I mean, it was only down a little bit. And as Apple has pointed out, um, it is severely supply constrained, right? Mm. Like, it's severely supply constrained.
0: Is that the only product that's seeing these kind of supply constraints?
1: No, they're all seeing com- supply constraints. But I think the idea was that the iPad was growing slowly and got knocked down by it. I just wouldn't worry about it. The iPad is is at a pretty good level. It was only down 2%. You Between um supply constraints and russia being cut off like i i don't know i i i think you could over obsess about it and i'm not i'm not particularly concerned about it it is um it's at a whole new level it it had that really burst Mm -hmm. of of growth in 2020 um but i mean last quarter it was down 14 year over year this quarter it's down two it's 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 minor i just am not i'm just not Gonna sweat it, be, yeah. given the environment of uh, that's fair.
0: Minus two percent, like down two percent, is basically you're pretty much level, right? Like you know, yeah. it's not obviously it's a lot of money, but it's not hugely off. Where like down fourteen percent, that's a double digit. Like that's more of a concern, and, right?
1: And they said very specifically it was severely supply constrained, so that's you okay. know that's part of it too. If, if people want them and can't buy them, yeah, I, I'm I'm just not gonna. I, I refuse to do an iPad freak out.
0: Fair. Uh, The iPhone, 52% of the business for this quarter. uh, Services at 20, Mac at 11, wearables nine, iPad eight.
1: Yep. Apple really has three really nice 40 billion-ish a year businesses. Um, 30 to 40 billion a year businesses. Mm -hmm. Wearables, Home and Accessories, Mac and iPad. And then it's got services, which is shooting through the roof, and it's got the iPhone. And like, and they're not, services obviously is not unconnected with all the others. So it's kind of a different kind of beast, but it is funny to think about if you take services out of the equation for a second, Apple's got these three similarly sized businesses, Mac, iPad, and wearables. And then it's got the iPhone, which takes up half the revenue. And I think when and we've talked about it here extensively, it is actually a management, an interesting management challenge, which is on one level you should just manage Apple for the iPhone because Apple is, you know, is the iPhone at this point. On the other hand, how can you do that when you have these three other very successful businesses yeah. that you need to manage too? Yeah. And so we've seen that, and I think they're in a better place now, right? But there definitely was a feeling that the Mac especially was kind of not being paid attention to. And, you know, I do think that's going to be a continuing challenge for Apple is uh the iPad is a great example. Like calling it iPad OS, you know, maybe it was a stake in the ground, but like one of the challenges is iPad OS is basically iOS, and it's you have to will it that you will have iPad stuff in your iOS product cycle because there will always be more iPhone stuff. And the iPhone stuff will always be a higher priority overall because the iPhone is so huge. And somebody has to have the discipline. And and it's not just like last year, it's every year. Every decision, somebody has to have the discipline to say, we're going to do iPad stuff, too, because the iPad is an important product for our company, even though, you know, it's only throwing off whatever, um, only throwing off $30 billion a year, whereas the iPhone is throwing off, you know, $50 billion a quarter. Mm. <laughs> I get it, but... But that's part of their challenge, because otherwise they they you know they should just shut it all down and be iPhone incorporated, and they're not going to do that. But like that, that's I, I'm fascinated by that challenge that they have, because that you, that iPhone number is always enormous, and they have to acknowledge it and and do good things with the iPhone, but they can't let they can't keep those other product categories around if they devote themselves to the iPhone. So it's always a you know back and forth. You imagine the debate about do we implement this iPad feature or this iPhone feature and having it be like how much gas does the iPad get in this because the iPhone will always win every single individual argument. So you have to balance it and say, no, no, no. We need to do this much with the iPad, even though that means we're not going to be able to hit everything for the iPhone. And that's okay because it can't all be about the iPhone. I just think it's fascinating.
0: And that's because they have that real, I think, you know, maybe somewhat unique to Apple problem of the scale of its percentage and relativeness, right? Like ten percent of your business, no matter what business you have, is like that's a big chunk. But this is forty billion dollars a year, right? So it's like, well yeah, the Mac or the iPad might only be ten percent. But the 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 relative amount of money and resources that can be brought through that money is astronomically large in a way that I'm sure not a lot of other companies have to think about with their products, right? Where, like, as you say, it is that of, like, the iPhone is 50% and it's hundreds and hundreds, you know, it's like hundreds of billions of dollars a year. Uh, But then you also have this other one that's 40 billion, which is so much money, right? And it's super weird. It must be very strange. Like, yeah, but it's only a small part of our company. Yeah, but look how much revenue it generates, how many customers we have in this like bucket. You know, It's, it's, it's really weird. It is very and you strange. Can't,
1: and you can't set off a division, right? Because Apple structure doesn't work like that. The way mm-hmm. another company would do this is it would say, look, the iPad division has its own budget yep. based on how much money it makes. The Mac yep. division has its own budget based on how much money it makes. The wearables. You're the CEO of Wearables Incorporated. Yeah, yeah, like, like
0: what Google does yeah. or like what Facebook does, right, where they kind of spin them out.
1: And Apple can't them. do it. Apple literally can't do it because all its products are intertwined. The silicon is intertwined. The, op- the base operating system is intertwined. And then big chunks of it are intertwined with other products. Like Apple Watch cannot be Apple Watch Incorporated because Apple Watch is entirely dependent on the iPhone. And, and so you end up in a situation where, of their own making, and it is greatly beneficial to them but it does mean that they can't wall it all off. Instead, you got to make hard decisions. I guess this is this is nothing new, but this is my regular rant that that I appreciate the fact when they do things for the Mac and they do things for the iPad and the, and the Apple Watch and AirPods and all these things. I on one level I appreciate the fact that they are paying attention to these businesses because I think they are very important businesses. And yet, if you think about it, the iPhone business is more important than them each by about 5x Mm. so you know in if push just came to shove the easy thing to do would be to let them all kind of die on the vine and i think there are points in apple's history where that has happened and i i just i i i think it's going going to be and has been a constant challenge to thread that needle of what what love do we give to the iPhone because it's the engine that really runs this company, but at the same time, we don't want to screw up these other products that are also by themselves very large, successful product categories. It's, it's tricky, is what I'm saying. So
0: in listening to the earnings calls, as you do, um, you were able to pull out some points uh, that were interesting. Um, and there was a couple that uh, I noted down from your Macworld article. One being that, the iPhone is kind of uh, interesting that they were able to beat up year over year because they were beating a very tough compare, tough compare say, in the tough industry. Yep. Because the twenty twenty iPhone came out late, so the sales were pushed further into Q two of twenty twenty one than they usually would be. So right. most of the 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 sales from the iPhone, like the big bump, usually you see it in Q one, which is the holiday quarter for Apple. But there were uh, the of the iPhone 12. There were way more sales into Q2 than there would be otherwise. Um, So the fact that the iPhone 13 was able to beat 2021's Q2 shows that demand for the iPhone 13 is very very strong.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's I I will accept this um, statement by them because they're obviously gonna say whatever is self serving, but this is true. Like the, it, it it seems like a long time ago now, but the iPhone 12 launch was late, right? They spread it out. The pro phones shipped a lot later. And as a result, what they said is the buying cycle was later and they made, you know, they didn't have any in Q3. Really. It was really more of a Q4 thing and then rolled into, into Q1. So, a year on, the iPhone went back to the standard cycle, which means that they're later in the buying cycle than they were a mm-hmm. year ago, mm-hmm. and so you'd expect that to be a tough compare but um but they still went up, so that yeah and and there are also some supplies constraints out there, I think too so again it it uh it's interesting that like it's easy to to write off obviously they get a huge bump when they change the look of the product but the iPhone 13 demand has been pretty strong. And they said, they said as much, and you can see it in the numbers, that like they're still selling iPhone 13s. It's not like everybody got their iPhone 12s and said, we're good. Like They're still selling iPhone 13s and doing well with that.
0: You mentioned supply constraints. There are, quote, substantially larger supply chain constraints on the horizon for Apple. Um, it seems like there is a mood... You you referenced, that potentially Apple are about to get hit by supply constraints in a way that they have been able to mostly shield themselves yeah. for.
1: Yeah, there's two things that are affecting Apple's supply chain, right? There are there are the silicon, they they refer to it as the silicon shortages or the, mm-hmm. you know, it's the legacy nodes. Tim Cook likes to talk about the legacy nodes. He's reached the point now where he's like, you all know about the legacy nodes. <laughs> it's like, okay, thanks, Tim. Um but the idea that, and that you see this throughout industries, there are all the stories about the car industry having to struggle with this, where it's like commonly available parts for computers, like USB chargers and Bluetooth chips and stuff like that, commonly available. But what happened was COVID happened, uh, factory shut down, then they had to get restarted. And there's a huge backlog of orders for that stuff. And it has meant that the just-in-time supply chain is still not like back in in shape where you've, you've got done. thing it's the story, yeah, it's not in time, it's out of time. Well this is the the story. My favorite example of this is Tesla shipping cars without USB chargers in them mm-hmm. and saying we'll fix it later. And I I actually love that idea. And I'm sure there are other car makers doing it where it's like, okay, we can either make all these cars that we've sold and then not ship them and not actually get paid for them because of a legacy node somewhere, or we can just ship without and say, we will take the hit and we will, you bring it into service and we'll install it later. But do you want your car now or not? That's where a lot of industry is dealing with now. Now, Apple is not going to be able to say, hey, would you like your Mac Studio without Bluetooth? We'll add it later, right? They yeah. can't do that. So it, yeah. it becomes a supply constraint. So that's been going on and they've they've dealt with it. And they they initially had a bunch of stock that they were able to do to mitigate it, but obviously there are still issues where they're kind of they've blown through their stock. They said that last quarter that they were kind of run out of that, their padding that they had. The other issue though is COVID. And specifically, a lot of Apple's products are assembled in the greater Shanghai area. And there have been lockdowns. And therefore, shutdowns of factories in Shanghai. And what Tim Cook said was their assembly plants are coming back online. But uh, another term that I love is, but they have to ramp. That There's a ramp there. The ramp. Oh, the ramp. Uh, you know, because you don't, it's not, a factory doesn't just flip a switch on and off when you got to get the factory back in motion again, it's actually very complicated and they don't start at full capacity and it takes time for the factory to reach full capacity again because you've got the stuff coming in and then you have the stuff going out and the people on the line and all of those things. And Apple said that is a major factor in their supply chain getting slowed down too, is that they they have had shutdowns. And you can see it. I mean, you can see it. Go to... um, Go to Apple.com and try to order a Mac Studio with the high-end configuration, and it'll be like, you'll get this in July. Um, like Across the board, so many products are just not available anytime soon, except in some configurations, mostly the base models mm-hmm. that are available like at your local Apple store, you can get them pretty soon. You're seeing this everywhere. And that's a big part of it, is the shutdown in the Shanghai region. Here's the big part, though. It, and this is the part that made Wall Street go, excuse me, what? And all the analysts on the call last week were like, Tim, can we talk about this a little bit, Uh, is they think they will have between 4 and $8 billion in product revenue that they will fail to fulfill in the fiscal third quarter, which is going on right now, because of the inability to fulfill demand. That that there are four to eight billion dollars that people are standing, you know, like the meme with Fry from Futurama saying, shut up and take my money, mm-hmm. saying, Take my money, Apple, I want your product. And Apple's like, I don't have it for you. And that's what those long lines on the Apple store are, and all of that. And and four and to eight billion dollars, even for Apple, <laughs> is a lot of money. So I, and they didn't give any other like hints about like, oh, we expect it to be probably a record or whatever. They didn't say anything else about that third fiscal quarter. So my guess is they're not going to have a great quarter next quarter, not because of a lack of demand, but because of their lack of supply and that they're, they're um, if they're sandbagging it, they're doing a really good job of it because they seem pretty sober about it. Like to call it out and say between 4 and $8 billion in product sales that will just be bypassed because we can't give them the product and when somebody asked one of the analysts like tim about the four to eight mil- billion um <laughs> what what because they, they were all like asking about it It was amazing because it's a big number it's a scary big number um and, it, and one of them was do you have an idea of how much of that will just be deferred to the next quarter versus lost forever you know it's one of those kind of questions and tim cook's response was who can tell yeah. probably both little bit of little bit of A little yep. bit of B we don't we don't know how many people want a laptop want an apple laptop can't get one and immediately have to have a laptop so they go buy someone else's laptop yeah. versus i can wait until july for that mac studio it's fine like they don't know so they were looking the analysts were looking for reassuring words from tim tim did gone. not have reassuring no. words for them
0: i just again like that's about could be about 10% of their revenue for the quarter you know they, they probably would lock in in a regular scenario between 80 to 85 looking at previous history like if all things were good um so that could be if we get up to that top end of that scale which probably won't but if we got to the top end of that scale that's like 10 percent of the revenue for the quarter just locked right off like that's no joke
1: well, and traditionally, Apple's Q3s have actually been a lot less. They've been in the 50s to 60s. Mm-hmm. So it could be a it could be a scenario here too, where they're looking at 81.4 last quarter, and they're thinking, "Wow, we were actually thinking it'd be down, and it'd be more like 70. Right. And now it might be 62 or something like that. And like oh, again, I see, yeah. In the grand yeah. scheme of things, is Apple fine? Apple's fine. I got a very my MacWorld column posted with a uh sometimes they're inflammatory headlines i didn't mind this one so much um but uh i got a very angry email from somebody who was like how dare you say that apple is doomed i'm like "Mm, didn't say that He's like they're they're so rich i'm like you know i did say that part uh, but apple must be defended at all costs we know that uh anyway the um my my point was just like they're gonna be fine having a billion dollars of extra demand in one way is a good thing right people really want to buy your products but if you can't convert that into sales that's painful and i think what they're going to do is i think they're going to have a painful quarter where they're going to be down and everybody's going to freak out and then you know what's probably going to happen is that they're going to have guidance for the next quarter that say oh we're going to we're going to be fine we're going to get it all back that's probably what's going to happen uh-huh. but but i would i would say I would expect that next quarter will not be like the last kind of eight boring quarters where they've just done great. I think it's going to be one of those, yeah, let me tell you about the impact. And maybe it'll be like great news everybody, only 4 billion. <laughs> but still 4 billion in lost sales is not not great. And it's the supply chain. It's just this is how it's hitting Apple and everybody who's trying to buy an Apple product right now and discovering that they can't get it for months. Um they know they have felt this very thing that, that you are your money that you want to put toward an Apple product that you can't buy right now is part of that four to 8 billion. Like you're, you're, you're in this story.
0: Is my, like, if I paint a doom and gloom picture of like, what if this issue carries all the way through to new iPhone? Like that there are people in September that go to the Apple store to like, you know, they log online to go buy their phone And they cannot get one until 2023. Right, because that's like similar to what the Mac Studio
1: has been like. Right, mm-hmm. two two things there. One is I do wonder if you're if you're talking about the ramp, if if you're ramping up manufacturing of iPhones, and I don't know when that starts to happen, but it probably will happen pretty soon. Right, like I mean, the fact that we've been seeing these screens and soon, yeah. right, It's coming. So they're going to start making this. this fall's iPhones. They start in advance so that they can make lots of them because they sell lots of them. Mm-hmm. I, I do wonder if one of the things that may be going on here is. Is actually them saying we have to prioritize building the iPhone so everything else is going to kind of not ship. Sacrificing. And, and we're yeah. going to take a hit this quarter because we can't not have iphones in the fall so that may be going on mm. here that is a that and, and when you when analysts ask like do you prioritize tim cook does a very much i mean he doesn't say we love all our kids equally <laughs> he says more more something like uh that's secret and if i told you i would have to kill you is more of yeah. the line of his his thing but it's I, I talk about prioritization and and the iphone being worth half of uh apple's revenue well i'll tell you if there's like do, does the Mac Studio slide? I'm not saying this is actually an issue because they're probably assembled totally differently in different places. But it's like you've got a choice: the we, I- iPad Air sales are gonna be held for a little while, um, or we're gonna not have enough iPhones. What's there's no decision to be made there. Like we gotta have iPhones for launch. We gotta have iPhones to sell. It's our most popular product, and they sell all in the holiday quarter. And we've got to make sure we we make enough for that. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if that's Um, if that's going on in the background and, and quite rightly so. I also, the other thing hovering over this, my second point here is COVID, which is, okay. Like in the United States, especially everybody's like, oh, we're over COVID now. All the mask restrictions have been dropped and stuff like that. It's like, oh, we're over. Except people still are getting COVID. My favorite baseball team just had like five guys get COVID and not be able to play for a week. And they were all vaccinated and boosted, but it's Omicron and you know it happens. So- but, but like, look at China, like, and the lockdowns in Shanghai and like, it's serious. It's like really serious because they have these zero COVID policy. China being authoritarian state can just say, no, uh, you stay inside now. Whereas in the US we're like, okay, people are tired of it. I guess, I guess it's over Um we move on. China's like no, uh, uh-uh, uh, no. We we don't want COVID cases, and as a result, they've had very few COVID deaths. But th- the result is that COVID is very much a thing in a place that is super important for Apple. Um, uh, Mark Gurman wrote about this in his in his newsletter this week. It's like this is one of Apple's. Uh, issues, we've talked about it here, is like they are so dependent on China. And in this case, it's not about the government in China doing something that upsets Apple as much as it is this knock-on effect of the government in China saying, we're going to be really serious about controlling the spread of COVID in Shanghai. But the net result is that the factory shut down. And they're still dealing with those effects. And it's going to affect Apple to the state of 4 to $8 billion. Well, that's for this quarter. But what it also says is, how do you forecast when you don't know because it's COVID and it's the Chinese government's policy, like, what if there's another outbreak in July and they close the factories again? Like, th- that's, I think, the scariest thing from if you're Tim Cook is okay, we'll take this hit now, but what if there's another hit that precludes us from? manufacturing and you know hits our our supply chain even harder and we can't get these things out there and we miss the moment for the iPhone again like they did 2 years ago. That's that's pretty scary if I'm if I'm Tim Apple, I would be worried about that.
0: This episode is brought to you by Trade. I love Trade. Trade uh, are fan- a fantastic way to get your hands on some really excellent coffee from small roasters and really to just find something that I guarantee is going to be better than what else you're getting. Like, I have been so impressed with the coffee that I've gotten from Trade. I have loved every cup uh, and have found some really cool roasters in uh, in the process. And they make it so easy. They have this little quiz that you take out when you go to their website, when you sign up, and they just kind of ask you a bunch of really simple questions, uh, which I really like because, you know, if you don't necessarily know what you're looking for, if you're like maybe you're starting your journey of trying to understand what you would be interested in taste-wise from coffee, it can be quite daunting. Um, you know, it's like, hey, what, you know, how do you like the acidity in your coffee? It's like, oh, I don't know. Uh, but when they say, like, hey, do you like chocolatey stuff or fruit stuff? Then you can work that out, right? Uh, and these are the kinds of questions that trade will ask you, and they're going to help find that perfect cup for you. When you become a Trade Coffee customer, you can enjoy knowing you have the freshest and best tasting coffee you've ever made at home. And the coffee you'll be drinking will be from the country's best independent craft roasters, which help those small businesses out a bunch too, which is really great. Trade's coffee team taste test thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. Everyone has that one coffee that they're just going to love and Trade's going to help you find it. Trade is so incredibly confident that they're going to match you right the first time. If they don't, just give them your feedback and an actual Trade Coffee expert will work with you to send a brand new bag for free so you're going to be looked after. When your friends call you a coffee snob, or you just know whether it's like coffee, whether coffee just tastes just right for you, Trey's real coffee experts personally taste test over 450 roasts so they know exactly what to recommend to you. So even if you consider yourself someone who knows what they're talking about, and knows what they want you're going to find something great with Trade as well. And they've delivered over 5 million bags of fresh coffee with more than 750,000 positive reviews. Right now, Trade is offering new customers a total of $30 off their first order, plus free shipping. When you go to drinktrade.com upgrade, that's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Just get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com/upgrade and let Trade find you a coffee that you're going to love. One last time, that's drinktrade.com/upgrade for thirty dollars off. Don't forget Mother's Day is coming up in the U.S. A Trade subscription is the perfect gift for the coffee lover in your life. Our thanks to Trade for their support of this show and Relay FM. This some hashtag ask upgrade questions <laughs> to finish out today's show. Uh, this one leads in from we were just talking about, and this comes from Crumbledoor, <laughs> a Wizard uh-huh. Harry. Apple sure. CFO said uh, they pl- quote planned. So this is Luca Maestri. They Apple quotes planned to add new services to their offering. What services do you think they're going to add? What services do you want them to add? Oh wow! So the, the so the one I'm not sure. What I think they'll do is that stuff we've mentioned in the past, right? So I think more around finances and personal financing and also financing of iPhones, right? So like that you pay every month and you get an iPhone or you pay every month and you get an iPad every year. You remember we were talking about
1: that? Yeah, they're going to bring the iPhone... thing that's out there now that's like a separate kind of loan thing and they're going to bring it and make it a service they, they built they're building the financial system for that they're building it for a pay and four pay and three kind of thing where they'll mm-hmm. do that themselves instead of using a partner i do yeah i do wonder if they're going to just do that for all their products eventually right where it's like you just you're on the ipad pro plan and you pay and whenever there's a new mm-hmm. ipad pro plan ipad pro you just get it and you send in the, the old one and they just kind of do that because some people want that and they are happy to have your credit card and charge you monthly. Like Apple's all about that now. Um, I throw in sports. I think there will be a higher mm. tier for Apple TV Plus if they get NFL Sunday ticket. I think that they may end up creating a kind of like a, a sports plus thing. That will be maybe in a bundle, but it'll be something that you buy extra or even separately, which I think would be interesting, right? What if you you don't want Apple TV Plus, but you want the Apple TV Sports? They could make it a separate thing instead. Um, I don't know. I think classical music is another one,
0: right? Like we know that that's coming. Are they going to add that on?
1: Right. Is that an add on for some things? Probably for other things. Probably not. Keeping in mind that it's not just what new services, but it's also things that it could add to a bundle. Which is interesting because then it doesn't necessarily have to stand on its own. It could be a sweetening of the bundle, even if they offer it on its own. It's also just like it makes the Apple One bundle look nicer. Mm -hmm. Um, God, what else could they do?
0: The idea of what would I want them to do is the one that I find the most uh, complicated. Because well, there are things that I want that they're just not going to be able to do, like... I want Apple to offer a service where I pay them every month and can watch a bunch of new movies from iTunes, but like that's not going to happen.
1: Right. I'll tell. Oh, I got one. I got one that'll make people very angry. Um, pro apps. Oh. Yeah. Like Adobe. You, yeah, do it. And Microsoft. Yeah. Where where you pay a a monthly fee for Final Cut or a monthly fee for Logic or you pay a monthly fee for a bundle? Um. Right now their model is you. You buy it and you use it for a long time without paying, and then they do a new version and you have to buy it, which is very old school, and I get why you do that, but even the App Store now works with subscription models. So I wonder if they will do a milestone update of Final Cut and Logic, and in addition to offering them as a, you know, you can do a paid upgrade, maybe... Um, they'll just roll that into a subscription thing. It would be something they could call subscription revenue. And their model now, I'm always surprised because as much as I like it, I think it's a really good deal. Like, I buy Logic once and I use it for years and never pay Apple for it. Um, And if I were Apple, I'd be looking at that saying, can we get money out of this guy who's using Logic all the time? Um, And the answer is yes, you can. You just have to do it. So people will hate that idea, but I think it's a possibility.
0: Yeah, I mean, if it would bring, uh, I was going to say more features, but Logic does a really good job with that anyway, I think. But, like, maybe we would bring um, iPad versions. I would be keen.
1: Sure, sure. I also wonder, um, another wacky idea, but um, I still think they should offer a an iCloud extension that is Mac backup, which I know oh, Mac backup yeah. is complicated because there's a lot of extra data there, but it just means you're selling people extra data. Like... It, like I mean, again, what's? Th- I know there's a lot of competition out there for backup, but to have it be OS integrated Time Machine that w- works over the cloud and it says, "Sorry, you need to pay for an extra four, you know, terabytes of yeah. backup data, or whatever it is." I right? would
0: love it if Time Machine could just sync to the cloud, like that. That I didn't have to have a drive anymore. It just was synced to the cloud. Like I would love that personally. Like, I use Backblaze, right. but I would also yeah, like too. to pay for Time time machine to just be synced to the cloud like just time machine in the
1: cloud um and again does that feature already exist in competition of course it does but the advantage of being the first party the fact that they already do it for their ios devices i just i think there's more money to be made there um i would also say an internet security thing uh, speaking of them just doing other people's business um, like if they're not going to build their own routers or whatever like that, they could totally do a VPN mm. and, that was built in. And again, this is this is the case. Look, I'm I'm suggesting a lot of things that pe- will make people very angry here. I'm not saying that I love these yeah, ideas. None but of like, these if you're are Apple
0: like, yeah, we're into it. Same as like charging every month for Logic and Final Cut. We're not like, oh yeah, man, great. No. No, it's just like these are like good ideas for things we think Apple could do.
1: Right, and if I think I'm getting away with something, then probably somebody at Apple is like, "We should make that guy pay us." But um, VPN, consumer VPN, right? Not mm-hmm. not business VPN, but like there are a lot of consumer VPNs out there, and you know we've had them as sponsors, and like there are a lot of them out there, but they don't have first party advantage, right? They don't have the "You trust Apple, and we've built it into our operating system," and you flip a switch, and they can't do it like for everybody, but they could certainly do it. They've already, you know, they've already ha- added um, added some iCloud features. Uh, to the OS that you have to be a paying subscriber to get mm-hmm. right the iCloud privacy stuff. It would be a logical extension for them to say, "We're actually going to enhance privacy further, and if you pay us this, we're you can get a full-on VPN that's run by Apple, uh, or at least vouched for by Apple." Um, not saying they will do it. It's just like it's there um, for them to do. And I, it, I wonder, I think the real question is who at Apple is rifling through the couch cushions, essentially looking for weak places where they can, um, they can find those, the loose change. I, I don't know why I use the couch cushion metaphor, but there it is.
0: Dumb asked, this is in relation to us talking about spatial audio. Uh, how do you feel about Apple's spatialized stereo feature being used when somebody listens to your show? it dramatically changes the sound that you obviously create deliberately. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. So you can turn this on if you have AirPods. You can, if it's not already on, some apps turn it on by default. I don't know why. But like you're listening in the podcast app right now, you can long press on the volume and there'll be an option called spatialized stereo and you can turn it on and it sounds like we're all around you. Like it's, it's a terrible feature, I think, honestly. But how do you feel about people
1: listening to Upgrade and Spatialized Stereo? The idea that we're creating it deliberately—I mean, we our podcast is mono. I mean, the theme is stereo, uh, but
0: that's not completely true. But you sure.
1: don't well, but the theme is stereo. You don't pan us, though, right? No, we're pan. We're both. We're both dead center.
0: We're both dead center. We're so both in mono. So the MP3 file is is stereo. Is stereo for the music. But
1: the only thing you ever hear that's in stereo is the theme song.
0: Uh huh. Correct.
1: Right. Everything else is just mono and it saves the space and it uses the bit rates to do Mm -hmm. the mono because we're not panned or anything other than that episode where we took a walk in the woods and that was all 3D with sound effects and people were... And that's Summer of Fun's coming up. I mean, Spatial Audio version (laughs) of Upgrade, you never know. Who knows? But right now it would be less interesting because it's just me going back over here. Hi! Spatial Audio! (laughs) Oh, I'm back, Mike. I I left space behind there for a moment. So I don't know. It's silly. I don't don't think think spatial Stereo
0: sounds very good. I think it just adds reverb, which I find to be kind of odd. Um, But the thing is... I'm not going to be precious about it because people listen to us at 3x. So like I lost that right. battle a
1: long time ago, you know. <laughs> right. Hello to those people. You know, like th- anyway. that, I
0: I've 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 <laughs> given up on that that feeling um ages ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, hard to be precious about it. I mean, what we always say is like this show is made to be at 1x. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And then you do what you want. So if people want to listen to us in a reverb space, that's fine. The truth is, though, we're not supplying any information. It would be different. I would feel different about it if we if we even subtly panned us left and right, because then you would have this like, oh wow, my yeah, now I can see it. Mike is over there, and Jason is over here. And uh, but we don't even do that. So ev- no. anything that it's doing there like is that. is going to be lackluster because it can't pull us apart.
0: Like, I already get what I want, right? Which is, I, uh, this, this, this show is encoded at 128 kilobit per second stereo, which is not what people usually do, but it's what I want to do because I think the show sounds better. I, I, our voices sound better. With the higher bit rate. So typically, mm-hmm. Upgrade, or actually pretty much any show that Mike Hurley edits, will be a little bit larger in size than maybe some other people do. But that's my prerogative as the editor of the show and the other shows that I edit, which is right. I like them when our voices have a, a higher uh, clarity to them. Like, because yeah. I, I mean, for me, the reason for this is when I edit, I hear our voices and I hear them uncompressed. So and then, and
1: everybody can go back to last summer where we released the different versions of Upgrade at the different bit yes. rates if you want to hear our high-quality, lossless, lower-quality bitrate uh, voices. But, but yeah, that's that's what we're using the stereo for is we're actually not using stereo. It's stereo 128. It uses the way MP3 works. It is using the stereo differences for the theme song. But once the theme song is, and I don't even know, this theme song's not even that stereo y, but it is a little bit. I it
0: think. is a little bit, especially the one you use. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. The, it
1: flies the, around
0: your head like, like
1: no one bonus, business. The bonus stereo. But uh, then it gets to us and it's just using all that. It's it's what joint stereo or whatever. So it knows that it's mono. So it just uses the whole bitrate for us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, what well, episode was that when we did the the various versions? I want to find it for the show notes in case people don't know what we're talking about. Like we did an episode where we encoded and uploaded the show in various bit rates, yeah, including
1: so, a lossless version because people were It's called, episode 360. Thank you. It's called Big Minimizers. Great title. <laughs> and then we av- we made it available in Apple lossless 56k 8k which sounds like we are at the end of underwater somewhere you gotta listen to the 8k version like i did that one just for me because it was just
0: so it's It's unlistenable
1: it's (laughs) it's, it is it's 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 nonsense you can't hear us but you you can hear hear, so the and the regular one's 128 so you can um that was that was our little ironic thing of like well if you really want to hear us lossless you can for this episode Mm -hmm. and discover that it really doesn't sound any different
0: no and that is because genuinely like I encode higher than is like than most people would, and it's kind of like at the edge of where you. I think you stop hearing any difference, which is like 128 for for voice. Yeah. So the, the lossless version of our show kind of just sounds like the regular one. Where maybe at some other shows it, it would be different. It would it would you would it would sound a bit
1: richer. Maybe. Anyway, Logic lets you now. Um... Uh, do spatial audio mastering. So uh, you never know. I'll put that on our list for the summer of fun. Maybe we'll get
0: You can put it on the list, but I do not want to learn these tools. Yeah. So if the the spatial audio version of Upgrade is going to happen, which I would like it to, I I don't think it's going to be me that that puts that one together.
1: I might do that. Or I might master it for you. You you do the edit and then send it to me for spatial mastering, 3D Um, mastering. Yes. What is it, like
0: mastered by Jason? Yeah, yeah. I'm
1: I'm, I'm a regular Bob Ludwig at (laughs) Disc.
0: That's a reference. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Finally today, Luke asked, Jason, if I upgrade to
1: the Mac Studio,
0: what can I do with my 2018 Mac Mini? Uh,
1: You could sell it. You could donate it to somebody in need, Mm -hmm. a family member or a local school. Uh, You could do what I do and use a Mac Mini as a server. I like having a computer that's separate in my house that is a server that uh, is attached to extra storage. It does my time machine backup. It serves some web pages. It does some scripts in the background. It does a whole bunch of stuff. I've had a server in my house for like 20 years, more than 20 years now. And it's just, I always find some use for it of having a little computer that's always on, that's in a closet or in the corner or somewhere else in the house. And I can run stuff on it. I can use screen sharing to control it. I know Mac OS So I, I prefer that to running a, like a, like a, uh, uh, one of those, um, network attached storage things, right. Where it's like Unix, uh, with big hard drives on it. Like I just have a Mac running with a big hard drive attached to it. And that, then I can use the Mac and I'm more comfortable with the Mac. So I'm a big fan of using a Mac mini as a server. Um, but failing that, you know, you, you really could sell it or hand it down or, pass it off to somebody. Or I'd say the other thing is if you're uh, using a Mac Studio now, you're losing Intel support. If you ever use Windows or something like that, you should you could install Windows on it and mm. use it as a little uh, Windows box. Again, if you use Windows Pro, you can actually just keep it in the corner and use screen sharing to control it. And then you don't have to worry about it. You're just, you just You've got a little local Windows machine that you control from your Mac because obviously Apple Silicon has issues with Windows right now. So... Those those are my suggestions. Mike, do you have any?
0: No. Okay. Like well, mine would have Luke. been the ones you mentioned at the start, like find someone to give it to or whatever. Like yeah. this is why I, I wanted to ask you this question specifically for the server recommendations. I've never done any of this. Uh Plex, you know, is I guess is, yeah. you know, you can do that. You could yep. do all kinds of stuff with it, but th- these are not really things that I that I do or really have an inclination for if you would like to send in a question for us to answer in a future episode of the show just send out a tweet with the hashtag askupgrade or use question mark askupgrade in the FM members discord which you can get access to if you go to getupgradeplus.com you can sign up, support the show and you'll get ad free longer episodes of Upgrade each and every week uh, I think I'm today in Upgrade Plus going to let Jason loose on the New York Times article <laughs> after Steve how Apple became a trillion dollar company and lost its soul which was not something I really wanted to talk about on the show today Uh, and I was intrigued that Jason put it into Upgrade Plus as a potential topic today so you can sign up and you can hear Jason probably say some stuff about that article in case you're wondering about it Uh, so go to getupgradeplus.com and you can sign up there Uh, thank you so much to Electric Text Expander and Trade for their support of this show but most importantly as always thank you for listening we'll be back next time. You can find Jason in the meantime at SixColors.com and at JasonL on Twitter. I am at iMike. And don't forget to join us on Friday, May 6th at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time uh, U.S. time over at Mike.Live where we will be working together to disassemble a Touch ID keyboard for funsies. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell.
1: Goodbye, Mike Early.